let's be honest from the get-go here, right? If you and I were living in Israel 2,000 years ago, and if we heard Jesus say what we just read in the gospel in real time, most of it wouldn't sound like good news at all, at least on the surface. Let's start with Jesus' words about wars and tumults and rumors of wars, of nation rising against nation and kingdom against kingdom, of earthquakes and famines and pestilence and terrors. Does that sound good? I mean, it doesn't sound good to me. And this all coming from the lips of the would-be Messiah, the one who was supposed to sit on the throne of David and fulfill all of the prophecies and the promises of the Old Testament. And yet there he goes again, talking also about divisions in families, that your own parents might deliver you up to the magistrates where you will be thrown into prison and even be put to death. Does that sound like good news? Not to me. If Jesus is the Prince of Peace, he sure has a strange way of talking about it this morning. And though you might have caught something about your endurance saving your lives, you quickly remember that he also said something about the destruction of the temple, which was not only a magnificent sight to behold on the outside, intended for all the world to see, but more importantly, on the inside, it was the dwelling place of the one true and living God, the place where the God of the universe made his presence known among the nations, the place where Israel could go and atone for their sins before God. And upon hearing those words, you would now definitely be saying to yourself, oh no, not again. Our ancestors already went through this once before, and it meant God's judgment was coming against Israel, not for it. That because of their sin, because of their division, because of their idolatry, God had banished them into exile where they lived in a foreign God and they had to obey a foreign king who was himself serving a false God. And then you would be left asking yourself the same questions as those Israelites of old. If this is going to happen, will God still be our God? If this is going to happen, will God still love us? And if all of these things are going to happen to us, how in the world will we know that that's true? And then you would start thinking about Jesus Himself, because we're again in real time hearing this firsthand, the one who said these things, and you just might start to wonder is this the one to come, or shall we look for another? Of course, looking back at it now, 2,000 years later, where hindsight is 2020, we can certainly agree that Jesus' words were indeed words of judgment. But now we can also say that these words of judgment actually had a greater meaning. 
This time, God was not merely judging some kind of unfaithfulness in Israel. No, this judgment meant that the entire age of the old covenant was over. And the time for a new covenant was now beginning in Jesus Christ himself. Or, as C.S. Lewis famously once said, Aslan is on the move. In fact, the very temple of God itself is now on the move, moving from a house of stone built by man into a heart of flesh formed by God. Think of that. The God of the universe would no longer live in a temple built by bricks and mortars, but now God became incarnate, himself taking on flesh, and he began to move about the country, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, walking on water, calming the storm, and preaching a gospel, a declaration of good news, a gospel of repentance and faith. Turn away from the old things. Turn away from the bad things. Put them down. Put them aside. Turn toward the new things that God is doing. This Jesus of light and life and love. For the kingdom of God is at hand. And this salvation would not just be the Jews who were looking for a warrior king to save them, but this salvation would be for everyone by his life, by his death, by his glorious resurrection for every tongue, every tribe, and every nation. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Galatians chapter 4. He writes, when we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But I love this. I love this next part. When the fullness of time had come. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so that we are no longer slaves, but sons and daughters. And if sons Sons and daughters, then heirs, heirs by God Himself. What a powerful passage. In the fullness of time, God sent His Son to be born of a woman. That you and I would no longer live as slaves to sin, but by adoption through His Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father because we are now his sons and daughters, transferred from the kingdom of darkness and death, bound by the devil, into the kingdom of light and life and love who comes to us through Jesus Christ our Lord. And now, my friends, what was sounding like bad news on the surface surely is good news in substance. Why? Because no longer does the world have to seek after God and find him at a temple in Jerusalem. But God is seeking after us to take his rightful place on the thrones of our hearts. 
And if we will but allow him to be Lord of our lives, you and I too will find that his peace will rule and reign over the warring madness in our hearts and minds. You know those thoughts that we have that we don't like to have and don't want to have? He can bring his healing and his peace into those places. Even by his declaration of so simple yet powerful and profound things like, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Doesn't that speak peace to the warring madness of our own minds when we're wondering ourselves, does God love me? And if so, how do I know? And in this way, my friends, I make this declaration to you. When we inhabit life in this way, then no matter what personal or natural or national disasters may come our way, we can and we will face them with the peace of God that passes all understanding and his own promise that these schemes of man will one day bow before his sovereign rule and reign. Now, because God is on the move, it follows that we Christians should be on the move as well. You know this already. Here we are in the year 2022, and what are we doing? We are standing on billions and billions of shoulders of saints who have become, come before us so that we too can birth this place that we affectionately call Christ the Redeemer in southwest Fort Worth. Why? So that we too may be a people who are salt and light and become that city on a hill, think of this, that is there for the world to see for generations and generations and generations and generations to come after us until Christ returns or calls us home. I've got a few more things I want to say. And here's some really cool and good news. As of our, our diocesan convention this last weekend, and if you don't know what that is, if you're new to us, that's where the churches all gather around our bishop and we do the business of the church. I have some really neat news. In our short 15 years together, in our short, as Christ the Redeemer, as members of this congregation, we have now helped to plant two more churches that have become parishes, both Christ Church in Waco, Texas, and now Church of the Incarnation in College Station, Texas, which just became a self-supporting, fully financially solvent congregation as of this last weekend. If you want to give that a round of applause, you are certainly welcome to. Now maybe we can plant one in Austin because we Longhorns need a lot of good news right now. I'm just... There might be a football reference in there somewhere, but my wife is a horn frog, so go frogs, right? I want to say this too. Even as we celebrate these things, this is hardly the time to slow down or God forbid to stop. Jesus tells us in also, also in John chapter 10 that the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. 
there is a thief, and he comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. What we have to remember and realize is there are two kingdoms, and they are at war with each other. The kingdom of God, which is light and life and love in Christ Jesus, and the kingdom of darkness, who is the devil, who comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. And I want to tell you something that you probably know already. He is working very hard to win the hearts and minds of the next generation. And I don't think we have to think very hard about the world around us to know that what I'm saying is true. So I also want to say this. I spent time with the Lord this week asking him one question, God, what what should we do? What do we do? What do we do? How do we go on the move here at Christ the Redeemer? What should we do now? And what he said to me went something like this. He said, you remember that guy, Michael Kabilis, that we hired, the guy who read the first lesson, if you don't know, the guy who's sitting in the back of the room working the AV. Remember that guy that we hired to do college and young adult ministry? And then God said, you know how you've been praying, asking for a vision for his ministry? And then God says this. He says, here's the vision, Chris and Christ the Redeemer. He said, I want you to plant a church now within a church. I want you to plant a church within a church. And this is why. You see, college students and young adults, they are at a unique and very critical place in their lives. They are, if you will, in a sort of time in between times. They're no longer living at home with their mom and dad, yet they're not yet established in the world either, and they are asking real questions that demand honest answers. So my friends, this is our task. God is calling us here at Christ the Redeemer to create a space and a place where this group of people can have those needs met. But Michael and I can't do it alone. It's more than we can handle together. It will take this body of believers working to make this happen. So in order for us to mobilize this vision, I just want to close with a few thoughts and questions. My first question is this. Here's my fun phrase for the week. What do we do to create Michael the man? You know what I mean by that. That Christian man, that that leader that college students and young adults will come around and who he can minister to in the name of Jesus. For starters, I have some more good news. Michael and I met with the administration at TCU last week. It was a great meeting. They were very cooperative, and we are now on the cusp of being a church partner at TCU. Praise God for the progress we've made so far, because a church partner is the first step to becoming a full-fledged campus ministry. That means we now begin to have access onto the TCU campus. Yes, 
They're willing to partner with us, which means we can advertise events that we're doing here at Christ the Redeemer and begin to open the doors for college students. And we're contemplating the same things for young adults. So what I'm saying about college students, think about in terms of young adults as well. Now, there's one more thing about this campus ministry, and I love this. If we're going to have a campus ministry at TCU, we've got to have 10 students. So that's what we're searching for. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're asking for. But in order for Michael to be on that campus and minister to those 10 students, he actually has to have a master's degree. Praise God that they want qualified people to do the work of ministry on the campus. So right now, Michael and I are working to consider how we can enable him over this next year to get a one-year master's degree so he has credibility and credentials to his own benefit and to the benefit of those to whom he will minister. Really good stuff. These are the first steps to becoming a full-fledged campus ministry, and I want to thank you for your prayers, right? This, as we have said, is a 15-year answer to prayer where we've been praying for God to do this work and building the financial resources, and in this year, praise be to God, we've accomplished that, and that is no small thing. But there's more, there's so much more, So much more that we together at Christ the Redeemer will need to do to mobilize this mission both on the TCU campus and for the benefit of the young adults in the city of Fort Worth to meet them in their place of need and invite them into this Christian community and family. So second, this is what I'm asking. I'm asking each and every one of you to please pray. And in places and spaces where that's said so often that it sounds trite, I'm dead serious. I'm asking you to genuinely get before the Lord and ask God if he is asking you to specifically help. We will all help. What I'm asking for and what I'm saying is that we need to form a leadership team, a launch team who will come around Michael and support him to do this work, who will help him think about ideas, who will help him build relationships, who will pray for him and pray with him in his times of discouragement and in his times of discernment. That's the second request. I'm asking you to ask God if you were called to help Michael, and if so, how? Thirdly and finally, let's advance the screen one slide. I'm asking you to save the date. I would invite you to take out your phones right now. Take a snapshot of this screen behind me, December 18th. So alpha, our alpha class that we're doing on Sunday morning is going to descend, is uh, going to finish, I'm sorry, the 19th, whatever that Sunday is. Is it the 18th or the 19th? Did I get it wrong? Whatever that almost last Sunday is before Christmas, if I got it wrong here, I'll get it right at some point. The point is, we're going to have a congregational assembly, and we're going to begin to talk about these things. And what I want to do is begin to lay before this congregation a plan starting in the spring of how all of these things are going to begin to work themselves out. It's much more than I can say right now, so that's why I'm asking you to save the date so we can begin to have a family conversation about how to mobilize this ministry in order that we might plant this church together. So here's the final thing I want to say to all of us. Wherever you are this morning, I want you to remember this. God is on the move. God is on the move. 
He wants to make his home in the hearts and minds of every human being from every tongue, tribe, and nation. And by his power working in us, we will take our stand and we will do our part in our day. We will build and we will battle so that we can preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. For now, my friends, we are the temple of God. And God is on the move in us, and I think you can see that by all the things that I've said this morning. So I just want to leave you with this final declaration. If God is for us, thank you. If God is for us, who can be against us? And if God is for us, no weapon that's formed against us will stand.